the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. Good Saturday to you. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us. I was off for a couple weeks because of, um, obviously, we had Thanksgiving. I hope you had a very nice Thanksgiving, by the way. And then um, last week, uh, it was so crazy and so good with uh, Christmas Cash for Kids. Um, that, um, you know, I, I wasn't able to get into the studio. So uh, that's an excellent problem to have. It happens every year. Uh, again, thanks to everybody who um, who donated and made um, all of Bob and Chris and uh, everybody involved in that that program that's actually year long. Thank you so much for um, for for helping to make that such a success and and for playing such a important role uh, in so many children's and just families' lives in general uh, this Christmas season. Thank you for that. Good program for you today. We're going to talk about some interesting top stories, economic data, including that jobs report that came out yesterday. And I'm really glad uh, to have uh, coming on the program. In just a little bit, Miss Tina uh, Deskovich, she's one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty. And if you haven't heard about them, you should. So make sure you stay tuned. Um, they're doing excellent work. They're a very new organization, uh, grassroots based, um, and but they're making massive changes and 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 positive differences when it comes to education and really just protecting children in the United States of America from all of the nonsense and and lies and false narratives that are being pushed. So um, stay tuned for that. Tina is going to be joining me in just a little bit. You'll be able to learn about Moms for Liberty, uh, how they started, what they're all about, and the things that they do. So if uh, you know, you're a mom or dad or your uh, grandmother or grandfather, aunt and uncle, um, if you're, you know, you have uh, uh, godchildren or just, you know, you care if you're, you know, a coach of a little league team, whatever it might be, uh, I think you're really going to find this um, enlightening and uh, and very, very informative as well. So when we look at um, what happened this past week, uh, one thing right out of the gate on Monday, we saw a continuation of these cryptocurrencies and digital currencies doing continuing to do well like they were uh, back in November. Uh, just a big surge on Monday um, that added to those November gains. Bitcoin was up over 42,000 on uh, Monday alone. That was a fresh high for the year. Um, so you have a lot of um, these uh, companies that are tied to cryptocurrency that have been uh, on a rally uh, or in a rally mode um, the last few weeks in particular, that's because of optimism about potential interest rate cuts in the U.S. next year, as well as traders betting on um, the approval of U.S. stock market traded Bitcoin funds. Uh, that's playing a big part of it as well. So uh, Bitcoin climbed. Like I said, we've seen some numbers we haven't seen since April of 2022. Obviously, there's a lot of other cryptocurrencies out there. Um, I use Bitcoin because it's... Um, more of the kitchen table type or general discussion name that's thrown around, but there's a lot of other cryptocurrencies that um, that you can check out if you have any interest and learn about. 
But the the impact of an ETF, an exchange traded fund approval, um, is like I said, really um, creating a lot of optimism because that would make uh, things more easily regulated, more attractive, and easier to invest. According to a lot of uh, market analysts, that's that's what they're saying. Coinbase is another. It might not be a real familiar name. I talked about it a couple years ago when they had their IPO or their initial public offering. Uh, Coinbase is the basically the trading platform for a lot of uh, this activity. And that stock uh, jumped as well at the beginning of the week. And um, gosh, I think in November, it was up over 60% year to date. So um, it was, I guess we can call it a winter period for crypto and digital currencies um, the last year, year and a half, two years. And now we've seen a big uh, resurgence in that. So I think the all-time high for Bitcoin was around 68,000 and change. Um, Then it went down below 20,000. And now, as I mentioned, it's back up to um, over 40,000. Obviously, that's some pretty serious volatility. So um, I always caution people, you know, if you're going to invest in something like that, make sure you understand it to the best of your ability. So that way um, you're not making irrational decisions when you do see that uh, that type of volatility. So um, also something that we had talked about just back in August, um, I had mentioned that um, and it was really kind of a. Uh, Uh, I guess, popular discussion about what was going on with one of the largest trucking companies in the country. I mean, Yellow um, Trucking Company was almost 100 years old, and it was a main player in moving um, product and goods across the United States, and they filed for bankruptcy. That's what I was talking about back in August. Um, They filed for bankruptcy protection, and um, they blamed, by the way, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters Union for the demise. Um, So that continues to be a finger-pointing match there. But uh, what we learned this week is the another trucking company, XPO, you've, I'm sure you've seen their trucks and trailers on the road, um, and I'm talking about uh, semis, big rigs, if um, you're not familiar with trucking terminology, it's it's the big tractor trailers that, that you see. Um, but they actually won a bid for uh, 28 service centers of Yellow Corp. Uh, it was an $870 million auction that they won they came out ahead and they had some serious competition they were going against sts and night swift transportation and others um but again they won so they get about twelve thousand trucks thirty five thousand trailers uh their customers in the past and i would assume going forward um included walmart home depot and other very big names so um the big question is we as taxpayers those of us who work and pay our taxes um money was extended to them back in i think it was 2019 2020 uh there were some problems and there was actually um i forget if it had to do with the virus or not which again thank you china for everything um but um you know, I, I still haven't been able to determine if that 870000 bid, that winning bid by XPO, makes us whole 
as taxpayers because that's extremely important because you have the government once again making decisions on your behalf as to how that money, your tax money, um, is being used. So I'm going to continue to uh, to keep an eye out for more fine details on that deal. You had the uh, uh, the the big wigs, you know, the head honchos, the grand poobahs, whatever we want to call them, of the major banks uh, on Capitol Hill this week, talking about J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, and others. And basically, they were testifying that these new regulations that are being contemplated by uh, bank regulators, um, they're saying, look, you're going to hurt lending, you're going to hurt the uh, capital markets, you're going to hurt the broader economy. And um, I think this is typical, right? So we saw the bank failures back in the spring, talked about it, covered it extensively here on the Your Financial Editor program and uh, during the daily business updates uh, with Bob and Chris. But, you know, it, it it's crazy. You had these banks go bad because their balance sheets uh, were improper. They had too much exposure. Um, to the bond market, interest rates went up. Uh, the values of their sh- uh, of their uh, balance sheet plummeted. People started taking money out, um, and the FDIC and the Federal Reserve stepped in. Had some shotgun weddings, um, just like we saw during the financial crisis. But we have to remember, bank regulators were embedded in the banks. So it happened right in front of their eyes, and nothing was done to prevent it. So Washington and all of their wisdom, I say in jest, their response is, let's have more regulations, more rules, more expenses. It'll get passed on to the bank customer. Um, So that's why these uh, CEOs were pushing back, basically – you know, the Democrats were saying, oh, come on, you know, this is you guys are overemphasizing the risk and 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 the cost associated with this and the regulation. You know, it's it's a big overreach. You guys are making this up. And then, of course, uh, fiscal conservatives were talking about the, the negative impacts because of the additional cost and and, and how it's going to impact um, our, our capital market. So um, the big one who gets most of the uh, limelight is Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan. Um, he's done a, a good job as a CEO. Um, I don't really have anything else good to say about him. Um, but here's one thing he said. He He's telling these these lawmakers on Capitol Hill as he's testifying, hey, a lot of loans become unprofitable. And he cited what? Solar, wind, and community lending. This is one of the companies, one of the guys that when Antifa and BLM and all the other freaks and professional protesters were burning stuff down and lying to everybody about what happened, was talking about more community lending and and giving money to BLM, which we found out, you know, what a worthless uh, cause that and others uh, really are. I mean, a lot of us knew it back then, but it's been proven since. Um, so you, you, I just don't understand. These people, they change like the weather. They have no internal fortitude, no spine where they can define a subject, 
honestly and accurately and stick with it and see it through. They just can't do it. But the main point to this is then the reason I'm sharing it with you is because the government's response always is um, more regulation, more red tape, more government. Let's grow. Let's make something bigger in the government that we can say is going to help these banking issues instead of just shut up, um, let the free markets be free. If you're go- if a bank's going to fail, let it fail. Don't come in like the FDIC and the Silicon Valley Bank. I think the average bank account was like $4 million. Of course, the FDIC is supposed to do $250,000, but they absorb, we, again, this is government, so it's you, the taxpayer, absorb all of that nonsense. So uh, just... Be aware that there may be even more reg- regulation uh, coming our way. Uh, something else that we heard this week from the NABE, which is the National Association of Business Economics, uh, they have um, an outlook survey panel, and basically um, they're expecting slower growth for this quarter we're in and then into, uh, well, really all the way to through the fourth quarter of of next year, according to the president of the NABE. So, um, you know, U.S. manufacturing last Friday, two Fridays ago, registered its 13th straight month of contraction. It slipped, um, you know, in the month of November. Uh, We're just seeing things slow down. So this NABE, which supposedly is supposed to be, you know, a brain trust of uh, economists, which it's not. Um, They're saying there's a 50% chance of a recession next year. Does that sound familiar? Partly sunny, partly cloudy, right? Um, And they're so often wrong, which, by the way, this um, organization never recognized the actual recession we had a couple years ago. They didn't recognize it. So, again, no, another uh, organization that's lost credibility. And then, you know, just to lighten things up a little bit as far as top stories, it was really fun this week to watch Elon Musk uh, go after Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney. Um, these guys uh, are, are, are going kind of tit for tat. Um, Iger basically pulled some... Um, uh, some advertising on Twitter or X and um, said that Elon Musk had, I don't know, I think he liked some comment that Iger said was anti-Semitic. Uh, Musk said that Iger should be fired um, immediately. And this started last month, by the way, it just got worse this week. And, um, you know, he was talking about how Disney, Disney pulled their uh, money from... Um, from uh, um, Twitter or X and um, that they uh, are still, Disney's still advertising on uh, Meta, which uh, Musk was saying, you know, advertises and exploits children and the material and, and all that. So it's just funny watching this. I mean, if I was Disney, the last thing I would want is more attention right now. Because they are on the ropes that, you know, uh, Disney is cutting cost, trying to right the ship. It's very, very hard to do. They're trying to spin things. Um, they've been a disaster this year in particular. 
Iger came back, he was only retired for like 12 months or whatever it was. And by the way, I always remind people, he handpicked the guy that replaced him. And then he comes back and blames the guy that he picked to replace him. But you have to remember, Iger was there for whatever, 19 years prior to that. So really, it was all of his stupid policy in a slow creep that led up to things really um, going off the rails. And Disney deserves everything that they're getting right now as far as negative press. And of course, what's not deserved is the money that stock shareholders have lost because of Disney and them getting into the social game and wanting everybody to, um, that comes to the park, you know, kids being exposed to grown men that are dressed up like fairies and Snow White and all the other sickness that's going on there. So, um, I, again, I think it's great uh, watching this, but uh, Disney should really, Iger, he should be putting his head down and shutting up, um, I think, more than anything. And then when you look at economic data, uh, quite a bit this week, we did see that factory orders fell more than expected in October. Actually, the biggest drop that um, I remember in about a three-and-a-half-year period. Factory orders were down 3.6% for the month, uh, much worse than what economists were looking for. Um, and um, it, it's it's just unfortunate that, as I mentioned, that ISM manufacturing report a couple Fridays ago, then you throw in this um, factory orders number, uh, not good news. Uh, now, the ISM services report, which we are a service-based economy these days, we really need to change that. And I think the last administration was truly committed to bringing uh, blue-collar and gray-collar jobs back to America um, after all of uh, the people after NAFTA in particular sold us out. Um, They sold their souls too, by the way, because they did it for money and for power and they really didn't care about the country and the worker. And that was a, that was a split because they knew that these corporations knew that they could get cheap labor um, if in fact they had legislation. Um, But you know, the other side is organized labor Um, These unions that, as we just saw through this last um, strike, you know, I think a lot of times they're unrealistic as to what a person uh, is really um, deserving as far as not just the hourly wage. That's not what it's all about. It's also about all the underlying benefits and pensions and and things of that nature, health care that go along with it. So, you know, you, you had an a storm brewing and what it did is decimate our manufacturing base. And unfortunately, um, one of the silver linings from the virus, if you look for one, which you have to, is um, we realized how dependent we were on other countries, a lot of them that hate our guts and how weak our supply chain is. So, um, Hopefully that's going to change. Uh, it, it needs to. It, it has to. But when we look at the ISM services report, it was up a little bit in November, went from 51.8 in October to uh, 52.7 in November. Anything over 50 is growth. So, you know, at 52.7, we're not shooting the lights out of the joint by any stretch. And this is over well over 80 percent 
of our uh, economic growth is based on the service sector. So we really need to be doing better there as well. Um, it was also good to see, had this conversation with a few people this week, um, mortgage rates improved last week, actually for the fifth straight week. And that's because after spiking to almost 8% for a 30-year fixed mortgage, we saw that come down last week to 717 Again, nothing to write home about, um, but it was good enough for people to get their foot in the door, and maybe it was that extra of 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever, with that change in the mortgage rates that allow people uh, to qualify for the loan and get the house they wanted. So we saw mortgage rates, uh, or excuse me, uh, mortgage application activity was up 2.8% from the previous week. And like I said, it was the fifth week that we've um, we've seen an increase there. So that's, uh, that's positive. Um, and then, you know, you get into the jobs numbers that we saw this week. Uh, the JOLTS report, which is the job openings and labor turnover survey, showed the job openings dropped. Not what we want to see. We want to see more demand, not less demand um, for job opportunities out there. And then, of course, you had the ADP report. That's a private report. It came out on Wednesday and showed that hiring by U.S. companies cooled in November. That was according to that report. Only 103,000 jobs added um, in the month of November. Uh, That was well below the only 130,000 that economists were looking for. It's the lowest level um, as far as also when you get into um, annual pay increases that we've seen in um, over two years. So that wasn't good. Um, and then initial jobless claims, they came in a little hotter than expected uh, last week. There's something called the Challenger uh, Gray and Christmas uh, job cut report, uh, plan job cut report. And that spiked as well. Actually, year to date, companies have planned 686,860 cuts or 115% increase from the first 11 months of 2022. So that's not good. And it was topped off yesterday by um, the big jobs report, which came in, showed that the economy added 199,000 jobs in the month of uh, November. Um, That was more than the roughly 170 to 180,000 um, that was ant- that was expected by economists. I think the average was 180. So you see 199. Don't bite. It's not a good report because what you see is government continuing to grow, and government doesn't produce anything. They don't produce anything, but yet you're 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 creating more government jobs and more government bureaucracy and more. Uh, government cost right so that was a big part of it another big part of it was um health care another big part of it was education and you have to remember as a taxpayer where does a lot of your money go that the government uses it for for health care and for the department of education right so these aren't the areas that we want to see serious job growth in I mean, it's great, you know, some of the good stuff for education, some of the good stuff, um, you know, for healthcare. I, I'm fine with that, you know. But you also have to remember, this is not a good number. 
and we're continuing to go down the wrong paths. So um, it's funny. I drove by today, and I see all these like these government buses running. There's two or three people on them, and I'm talking multiple buses. These buses are 40, 45 feet long, and you've got two or three people on them? It's just, in general, when you look at the government waste, it's, uh, it's sickening. So, um, anyway, we'll continue to watch. Uh, more details will come, I'm sure, on the, uh, on the jobs report. We'll splice it up even better. And then when we come back, we'll be uh, talking with my guests. As I mentioned, if you're just joining me, really looking forward to talking to Ms. Tina Doskovich. Uh, she's one of the co-founders of Moms for Liberty, and they are making a difference in the entire country when it comes to protecting our kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews. Um, so she's going to join me. Stay tuned. Where you going to be when country comes back? Cold beer chasing that Lynchburg Jack. Knocking that dust off the old school tracks. Bet your boots I'm ready when country comes back. All the chains got skinny. Trucks too clean. Too much city. Online. On our app. On HD radios and Alexa. Okay. You're always on 930 WFMD. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts and you can uh, grab it there. Uh, Thanks so much for being with us this weekend. We appreciate it as always. Uh, Just celebrated our 26 year anniversary. Um, Have a great program for you today. Uh, Next uh, weekend, Dr. Ben Carson's coming back on. Um, Some more from uh, EJ Antoni, excuse me. Um, on inflation and the economy the week after that. So uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Uh, Very happy to have uh, my guest today, Ms. Tina Doskovich. She is a co-founder of a wonderful organization that's really making uh, a true and positive difference uh, for our country. Uh, it, it has to do with children. It's called Moms for Liberty. Um, children, education, the family, and the importance of all those things. And um, I just, again, for our audience, our, our children are our future, right? Our grandchildren, our nieces and nephews, our godchildren, um, and just the children that are around us and that we have uh, any type of impact on and can help. And uh, they've really been under siege, in my opinion, for quite some time. Um, our three children are grown, but um, we saw the the cracks in the dam as we were raising our children, had to be very conscious of what was going on, what they were being exposed to, what they were being taught or not taught. Um, so that's why I think this is very important. You know, we do this uh, every now and then on the program, focus on children because they are so important. So having said that, uh, welcome, Ms. Deskovich. So nice to have you on the program. 
Oh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak with you today. Yeah, thanks. So first, um, just start off with letting everybody know who you are and about your organization. I am the co-founder of Moms for Liberty, Tiffany Justice, my other co-founder. The two of us started Moms for Liberty January 1st of 2021. We're former school board members. We served here in Florida um, 2016 to 2020. We didn't know each other. We were in different counties, but we had the exact same experience. We saw behind the education curtain. We saw how the sausage was made. We saw the concerns uh, with teachers unions having more power than parents and more uh, influence over students and what they're doing uh, from when school starts and stops to days off to everything um, more input than than parents had parents had no input at all so as 2020 happened all of america kind of saw had a better look into education lessons are being streamed into homes that were concerning to parents parents were trying to speak about their concerns and they were getting shut down locked out of meetings microphone shut off and so we just looked at each other and we said hey uh we we know how to help these parents navigate this and we know how to impact change let's start this organization and you know not even three years later and we are in uh, 48 states we have 300 chapters a chapter covers a county and we have 130,000 moms that are active fantastic congratulations uh to you and uh miss justice for for what you were able to accomplish in, in such a short period of time so um as far as geography we're uh, the the station here is fairly close to loudon county and i think that kind of became ground zero uh, for just the overall mess in the education system. And it, it grew out of there, obviously, a lot of press. Um, people, fortunately, were kind of enlightened as to what was going on. And then we have, uh, you know, Moms for Liberty and others that are getting involved. So how much of a change have you seen since uh, you and Miss Justice uh, co-founded Moms for Liberty? So there's been many changes. We've had a huge impact. And you're right, it's not just Moms for Liberty. We represent, I think, a big portion of the parental rights movement, but there's a lot of other local parental rights organizations that are advocating and and people that are fighting on the front line, uh, fighting on the front lines also. So um, the, the the change for our organization I can speak to, you know, aside from winning 365 school board seats over the last two uh, two years, which is huge for us because you know we had no money and we've launched a pack now, but we had no money in the pack. Um, we had, all we really had was moms uh, vetting candidates, endorsing them, saying these people will stand with parents and protect kids. And then they were able to use social media or go volunteer with the campaign. But we had we had no like tools and skills and abilities the first year to 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 really make an impact. And we were able to win 365 seats. So that's remarkable. Also, they, our chapters form legislative committees uh, once there's multiple chapters in a state, and then they work to impact legislation at the state level. And over the last legislative session alone, uh, we had 24 bills signed into law over seven states that either protected parental rights or uh, they were transparency laws in public education that parents should have access to curriculum and things of that nature. So huge changes, huge impact just for our organization, not to mention what other organizations are doing too. Yeah, and, and I think one of the articles I saw your... Um your fundraising and financial support was up tremendously from um, from when you started. Yeah, so year one, um, just a backstory. I know people uh, that are haters do not believe it, but we started in my back bedroom. I took $500 out of my checking account and bought a box of T-shirts and made our logo. 
Um, I gave 10 shirts to friends. It was um, the end of December 2020 that we're over at my house for a Christmas party. And I said, look at this, this great thing. <laughs> look at this name. <laughs> and they were like, oh, this is so fun. And they put the shirts on and we took a picture. Uh, you know, that was the start. And so no no funders, no money, no ability to do anything. We put a donate button on our website. And we closed out 2021, which was our first year, under a half a million dollars. I think like 370, I can't remember the exact, but under a half a million dollars. And uh, just all on our own, just being scrappy. Uh, but year two was much better. People started noticing us and the impact we were having. And so we closed out a little over $2 million. Oh, congratulations. And by the way, folks, for everybody listening, you can go to momsforliberty.org, momsforliberty.org. Um, and if you're driving, listening to this, obviously don't try to write that down. Just uh, send me an email or give me a call and I'll, I'll make sure that uh, that you get that website if, uh, if you don't remember it. 365 school board seats. That is, you know, we can't skip over that. That is, like you said, remarkable, literally. Um, how were you able to do that? What's the what's the process? I'm thinking again. You know, we have so many good people that listen to the program and have for decades um, that love their children. They love their grandchildren. They love their nieces and nephews. They uh, they love their godchildren. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the program the little league coaches. Uh, you know, all of that stuff. Um, what's your process as far as how you get people involved and and kind of how they can make a difference? Uh, there's so many ways. Everybody can do something. At a minimum, you can sign up for our newsletter at momsforliberty.org and stay informed. But you, if you have a local chapter, so if you go to our website, there's a big map. Uh, if your county is navy blue, it means you don't have a chapter. You can click on it and you can start a chapter. You need 10 people uh, and, and go through some screening and an interview and you can start a chapter. But if you have a chapter in your county, uh, it'll be gold and you can click on it and you can connect to your chapter. Sign up for their newsletter. At a minimum, stay informed at what's going on in your school district and where the concerns are so that you can plug in when something concerns you greatly and you have a support network. What we find is parents join us all the time, but it's usually after, you know, they open the backpack and see a concerning uh, lesson or, you know, there's an issue with their child at school and the, the school's not handling it, the district's not handling it. They don't know how to navigate it and they plug into the chapter. So, do that from the beginning. Uh, and then once you do that, there's so many things. You can review curriculum. You can help candidates. You can you can vet candidates. So many things. And then ultimately, the best thing you can do is run for school board. There's 13,000 school districts in this country. And, you know, every school board has five to nine people sitting on it. That is a lot of school board seats. We have a long way to go. 365 is amazing, but we have a long way to go. And so run for school board. And we at Moms for Liberty are developing all kinds of tools. Uh, you know, as we grow and we get more funds and, and we're able to do things, we've developed a candidate toolkit for school board members. When I ran, there was nothing. If you Googled how to be a school board member when I ran, because I did that, there's nothing out there. No resources. You know, uh, big big Canada, big people that help with campaigns don't want to help school board members because there's no money in it. And so we've stepped in and we're giving tools and resources to people that want to run. Perfect. Uh, we're talking this morning, if you've just joined us, um, with Miss Tina Deskovich. Uh, she's a co-founder of Moms for Liberty. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can go to momsforliberty.org and get a ton of information. The radio signal uh, goes through Maryland into Virginia, 
Pennsylvania, West Virginia. Um, so again, um, but you may be listening to the podcast or streaming online and you could, I know we have people in Arizona and Florida and everywhere, um, but you can, you know, go onto the website and as uh, Ms. Deskovich said, you can um, find out if you have a local chapter and then you can sign up for the newsletter, get involved. Um, so how... How optimistic are you going forward? You just mentioned those numbers. Uh, tremendous success with 365 school board seats that that was achieved. 13,000 school districts, I think I heard you just say. Um, going forward, how optimistic are you? Do you continue to see this momentum? Has it kind of leveled out a little bit? Where are you right now with uh, looking forward? Well, our biggest opponent uh, seems to have become the teachers' unions, and the teachers' unions have hundreds of millions of dollars, and they've had a stronghold on public education for decades, and so they are not real happy right now. Uh, they are putting a lot of money into fighting any Moms for Liberty candidate or anything that we're doing, and so it's getting harder. Um, the the heat and the intensity, the attacks uh, are getting are getting. Uh, they're coming faster <laughs> than we can, you know, than we can keep up with. But uh, we're not slowing down. We're not stopping. It does not deter us. You know, it's really unfortunate. Uh, you know, I don't know how much longer we have, but we could get into the whole targeting of our organization and our members by uh, the DOJ. Go the ahead. FBI, yeah, jump into that real quick. So, yeah, jump into yeah. that so people know. Yeah. So, you know, a year out of the gate, we started having impact and the, um, and, you know, parents across the country were speaking at school board meetings, but the Department of Justice put out a threat tag telling the FBI to tag, uh, to put out a hotline number for people to call if they were, if they thought that people were acting up at school board meetings too much. And so people were calling in on our moms that were just speaking at school board meetings. And so they called in and then the threat tag um, the FBI would have to follow up on those. So they were calling, the FBI was calling our parents, you, did you speak at a school board meeting? Um, do you have weapons in your home? Do you have mental health issues? Just on and on and on. So now you've got the DOA, the, DO, the DOJ, the FBI. You've got the National School Board Association. Uh, a whistleblower proved that they were colluding with the Biden White House to come after us too. And then um, we've got uh, someone else that came out, or, the, or the, they did FOIA requests, so public records requests, to see that the Southern Poverty Law Center visited the Biden White House six times, which followed up with us being labeled an anti-government extremist group and added to the hate map by Southern Poverty Law Center. So, you know, the full force of the federal government has come after us. We're just a bunch of moms, like I told you, started out of my back bedroom. And um, we're not going to stop. We are not going to stop. No, and God bless you. And, and it just goes to show that you're doing the Lord's work because when you have all of that pressure and all of those organizations and, the, the of course, uh, from a business standpoint, the, the sad part from business is that's our tax, pun uh, our tax money. People that work hard, pay their taxes, and fund these um, uh, these organizations and agencies that have lost credibility, um, you know, that's such a waste of, of resources to be bothering um, people like you and, and other moms and dads and aunts and uncles. It's, it's just, um, if you don't laugh, you're going to put your fist through the wall, I think. Um, so, again, I want to make sure everybody has a, a clear understanding. And, and again, if they just joined us, um, recap what they can do to get involved and, um, you know, how they can help, whether it's uh, volunteering, donating, whatever it may be. 
Uh, there's all all of those options are fantastic, and we need all of it. We need time. We need your time. Uh, we need you to stay informed of what's going on. We do need to continue to raise funds to grow. So, and you can do all of that by going to momsforliberty.org, big map, sign up uh, with your chapter or start a chapter. The donate button's on there. We also have merch. We've got a lot of great shirts and hats and things that you can wear, uh, and it starts conversations about the issues as you're wearing it out. And obviously, the proceeds go to help our organization. Perfect. And you said like, you know, with these these various chapters and you said a county is a chapter that is that growing uh, pretty steadily for you? Yes, absolutely. So, um, uh, you know, three years, 300 chapters. So we're a little over 300 chapters and we just keep growing every month. We add chapters. Uh, every month, someone else wakes up. It's surprising that people, not everybody still knows what's going on, but, you know, one by one, people are starting to, to understand what's happening and, and want to stand up and fight back. Yeah, that's that's great. And uh, the last question I have for you, if you can elaborate a little bit on of the 365 school board seats that you successfully helped uh, these people become elected. um, Have you have you seen an impact? Have you seen them making a difference already or is it is it still too early? Oh, no, absolutely. The the last election cycle, there was a whole bunch of articles that ran because a lot of our a lot of our elect, uh, endorsed school board members, when they took over, we flipped. I know I just back up there. We flipped like um, I think it was 56 school boards to be um, for more liberal leaning to more conservative school boards. And um, and some of those places were like Miami Dade, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, which which are pretty were pretty blue cities. And so. Um, immediately in some of those cities, they would, refi- they would fire the superintendent who had been, you know, uh, pushing in things like critical race theory or DEI. And so major impacts uh, right out of the gate. You know, and that's an interesting um, comparison, Miami-Dade to Charleston, South Carolina. I mean, that's a, that, I would think that's a vastly different demographic. Am I right? Um, they're both cities. They're both kind of urban areas. Even Charleston uh, is a city. So, you know, it's it's not Miami-Dade. Obviously, the Hispanics, uh, right. the Hispanic pop- population is much heavier in Miami-Dade. But still a city, still uh, Democrat-controlled uh, when it comes to things, and then definitely in the education area. So for Moms for Liberty to go into those cities um, and not just take one seat, but take enough seats to have a majority uh, was really remarkable. Yeah, that's major. And and again, I mean, it just goes to show, like when I heard that, the, the crossover, and I think like you had mentioned a little bit ago, people actually waking up and realizing what's going on. And it really doesn't matter where you are, but with that common sense mentality and wanting to make sure that children are protected and uh, given the best uh, opportunities um possible for them that for people that have common sense they're like oh okay yeah that makes total total sense to me and i need to get involved and we need to elect these other school board members and with you guys getting those toolkits out and helping uh someone who maybe has absolutely no political background and maybe even had no interest in politics prior the um that uh you know the the kind of the step-by-step that's necessary so that they do it, they do it well, and have the best chance of being elected to school board? Chris, 83% of our candidates first-time candidates. That's exactly what we do. We just take parents or community members, aunts, uncles, whoever is like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I'm going to stand up against it. I'm going to run. And we help them. 
Absolutely. Well, um, my wife is very involved um, in 4-H. Actually, last night was the Christmas 4-H party. I think we had 83 kids at our house. Um, but th- that'll be a, that's actually something that would be wonderful because they have monthly meetings and the, they have various topics. And, you know, education is first, you know, very foremost in, in importance for them as, as children and their parents can hear things. So I'm personally going to reach out and find a local chapter member and see if they can come and give a presentation and, and um, you know, see what the kids think about it. And, and of course, uh, just as importantly or more, what the parents think and how they can get involved. Love it. Uh, please do that. Uh, if you need help connecting, uh, let us know, but you should be able to connect easily on the website to whoever your chapter chair is there in your county. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So that uh, does it for our conversation today with Miss Tina uh, Doskovich. She's, she's the co-founder of Moms for Liberty. Go to momsforliberty.org. A wonderful organization. You can get involved. You can get educated. You can donate to help. You can do all of the above. So, uh, Miss Dokovic, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, and uh, we wish you the best. And hopefully, we'll check in with you down the line to see how uh, things have progressed. Sounds great. Thank you so much for the time. All right, take care. Um, just uh, you know, as I mentioned, th- these are the kind of things that we want to make sure um, that we make available to people um, so that they have that access to. Um, you know, to have the knowledge, to have the opportunity to um, really just to, um, to to be able to participate. These are children and we all have or at least I know, you know, I have the horror stories of the things that our kids told us. And, you know, we hear other horror stories from other parents and um, parents right now whose children are young and and obviously very impressionable. Um, and things uh, have just been getting worse. So when you look at Moms for Liberty and these other organizations that are out there really making a difference and caring about and protecting children um, and giving them the opportunities that they deserve, I'm not even going to get into the money you spend on education and how much of it is wasted on the administrative level, um, that type of thing. But what you can do, what we can control is to get involved and uh, make sure we're looking out for children because uh, that's uh, that's very important. And, you know, that old uh, that old saying um, out of the Godfather movie, uh, I think it was Godfather three. I put it in my book. Um, children are the only wealth in this world. Right. So even though this is a financial show, um, that's just flat out accurate. So that does it for us uh, for this weekend. We'll be back next weekend. Ben Carson's going to be here, Dr. Ben Carson. Um, And then I'll be talking with um, Bob and Chris weekday mornings. And um, that's it, 5.50, 6.50, and 7.50. Those are live updates. So we'll talk to you then. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. There's a hole in this country where it's hard used to be And no glory is divided on fire in the street They say building back better make America great If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say Stick your 
past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at wfmd.com.